Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. All right, great. Here we are with Neil Belenke, Mayor of Belcara. Thank you for having the me. The grand town of Belcara, a village of Bel- Belcara. The Davos of British Columbia. <laughs> now, why don't we just start off by talking about, so everybody can get and understand, where where do you position yourself? Where are you actually located, Belcara? Yeah, people who've grown up in the lower mainland often have no idea that Belcara exists. So I, I typically describe it as right across from Deep Cove. Yeah. Uh, it, getting more granular for someone who hasn't been to the North Shore, who can't handle the, the, you know, the traffic to get over to the North Shore often enough. Uh, I explained that we're north of Port Moody. There's a forested peninsula of land that, that juts into Indian Arm. That's us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how many residents live in Belcara today? Just under 700. Depending on the census, 685 to 700 total people. Yeah. And approximately 500 voters. We have approximately 300 homes. And over 50 of those are boat access only, meaning they're cabins. They're not year-round living. Wow. Well, this is going to be very important when we get to the topic of the uh, vacancy and speculation tax uh, issue, which is one of the main reasons why you're here. You're a village, right? Yes. What what is the difference between a town, a village, a city? Do you know? Well, I know villages are best. <laughs> I, uh, I I can't speak to whether not, or not being a, biased at all. No, no, it's very biased. But in in a in a in a set you know a set number of one, I would 100 percent of the time say that villages are better. Yeah. Uh, the I, I'm sure it's done by size. Yeah. And so I, I would expect at a resident count rather than a rather than a property count, a resident right. count would would at some point mean you become a township yeah. maybe next yeah it's never going to happen for belcara okay belcara is really constrained by for potential development in that there's no property left yet to be developed in belcara okay it's all been it's all been built on a long long time ago we're not going to be able to become a thriving metropolis uh, yeah. beyond the village moniker we currently enjoy you live in belcara obviously i do um, for you to commute to Vancouver, just to give a sense to listeners uh, yeah. from somebody who might be used to commuting from Surrey or West Vancouver or um, anywhere else, what, how long does it take you, normal yeah. traffic, uh, you know, day, day, weekday traffic, how long does it take you to get from your yeah, home to downtown? That's a good question. The, the, as long as it's not during rush hour, uh-huh. I think it's pretty consistently about 45 minutes. Oh, that's uh, that fast. Oh yeah, it, because there's no bridges, no tunnels, and it's it's Barnett and the Barnett Highway and Hastings Road. Yeah, essentially are two nice two straight shots out towards Belcara. Okay. The public transit is a bit of a challenge in that the transit doesn't hook up directly to Belcara, and so it's not very efficient. Belcara residents or anybody who wants to reach Belcara actually has to go through and stop at all the stops in Anmore first. So oh. Port Moody is the connector to the main line. Okay. And, and and Belcara, despite being a neighbor of Port Moody, is required to go all the way through Amor to be able to connect to the mainline transit. So it, this actually leads to one of the reasons why we don't have much of a rental issue is because renters, especially if they don't have vehicles, yeah, it's an insufficient medium for being able to travel. And so right. you have you have to really have a car or yeah. a, or a car and a boat if you if you're going to live in Belcara. Right. Yeah. Because as you mentioned earlier, a number of the, your residences can only access their, their cabins. Like, no potable water. Yeah, they run the power off uh, off of propane, for example, that's set up by boats. You can't get insurance for the cabins for renters, yeah. and and they're seasonal. You yeah. know, they're not intended to be used in the winter. And besides yeah. the big waves, it would be dangerous to get it back and forth. Yeah, wow, wow, amazing. Let's before we go into it, because all this leads into the vac- vacancy and speculation tax. But yeah. let's let's spend a minute talking about your campaign, sure, uh, or lack or lack thereof. thereof. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so tell us, because we were talking just before we got on camera about that process. What you, here it is here. Uh, so there were, um, how many votes were cast? Looks like about 500. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Uh, or voted, four, 422 voted, 76 did not. So there's your... We had the highest percentage of voter turnout. I didn't, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the numbers were. I know what the percentage was that re- was reported by Elections BC. And we had 85% voter turnout. The number one voter turnout, probably in the history of the province, the second most popular voter turnout was uh, Anmore, I believe, at about 52%. Really? And so just about every single person in Belcaro who could cast a vote did. Wow. That's, well, that's great. Engaged. It, it's yeah, em- that's it's a good sign. Yeah, Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and so you, you came in with 47% of the votes. You got 199 votes. Uh, Jamie Ross uh, got uh, 40% of the votes. And then Colm Cole uh, got 10%. Mm-hmm. But 
all three of you were none, none of you were um had been mayor before right all three of you had, one of them i think was a, a counselor before yeah so jamie ross had had been on council for 21 years and okay. he was endorsed by the mayor uh the previous mayor who was retiring after 35 years of being a mayor 35 wow yeah and and then dr colin cole is a uh, is a physician and uh, he's a very accomplished anesthetist and uh and consults to nasa uh, another great guy so yeah. We had really three different three different models that people could vote for. Yeah, uh, Jamie Ross was probably perceived as someone who would continue the way the village had been run previously, as yeah. he had multi decades of experience under the previous mayor and had been endorsed. Yeah, Doctor Cole had a, had a platform that was was around. Um, improving services a little bit and and addressing risks of property tax increases and things like that yeah and i presented myself as the business case okay uh, i felt that there was concern around the financial position of the village yeah. there was concern around some of the safety uh in particular our water system and our ability to fight forest fires and so my position was i have financial training and i've been a leader of multiple companies if you're looking for someone who is is experienced in doing a financial turnaround that's what i have to offer okay well that's good well obviously the the voters saw that and you mentioned forest fighters now just to be clear belcara not only has we got an understanding of where you're located mm-hmm. which is basically west of uh, port moody uh, right port, uh, yeah sorry. north northwest uh, north northwest of port moody yeah. next to anmore but topographically this is you're not in a this is not farmland this is not a plateau right we we are literally in the forest our, our the commute for us it is not danger by vehicle it is danger by bear cougar lynx uh <laughs> you know there was a wolf sighting about uh, four months ago wow it is truly the uh it is truly the middle of a forest and it, yeah. it's it's a village it's on it, there's no commercial is, uh, organizations or, or businesses that are running it is just a bunch of houses that are in the forest overlooking the ocean and it's uh it's a little piece of paradise where did you live before belcara i lived in kits my wife really? and i had a young son we knew we wanted to have more kids we could not afford to buy a house in kitsilano okay and we had to move out as so many people do yeah and so we were forced to move outside of vancouver and we moved to belcara about 12 years ago and how did you find out about belcara well, uh, 12, 12 years back ago, in back in years. 2000, 2001, yeah. I was a drug rep where I was selling drugs on the right side of the bike rack, the bike okay. racks. <laughs> and one of the hospitals or two of the hospitals that were in my portfolio were Eagle Ridge and Royal Columbian. Okay. And it just happened that a number of the physicians that I was dealing with happened to live in Belcara. And I do business based on relationships and became good friends with a number of them and continue to be. And I used to go out and sleep at their place. And we'd we'd have great times golfing and going boating, and I thought to myself, this is this is as good as it gets. Wow! And so when I convinced my wife to marry down, we got a chance to look around for all the different options we had together. And when I showed her Belcara, she was instantly sold as well. Wow! You're you're either comfortable being ten minutes from a Starbucks, or you're not. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable, Belcara is not for you. But if you if you like that degree of isolation with access to a major urban center and all the amenities that go with it. I don't think it's a better place on earth. Yeah. Well, you you must have a village center of some type. We have a village hall. Okay. We have a fire hall. Yeah. And that would pretty much cover it. <laughs> so there's no McDonald's. There's no multiplex movie theaters. I mean, this there is... isn't, there isn't a, there, we have a temporary user permit for a tea house that holds a tea festival uh, for a couple of weeks in the summer. And they're open on some Fridays and Saturdays with a maximum occupancy, I believe, about twenty-four. Yeah. And that's on a on a on a on a seasonal gravel road in in a in a what is otherwise a boat access in the winter area. Wow. There isn't a, <laughs> there truly isn't a a revenue generating resource available to the village. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I like this because this is all kind of laying the groundwork for what we're about to talk about. Let's just finish off with Belcara talking about um, you. You obviously campaigned on having that financial acumen. Um, what's your What's your annual operating budget? I mean, you don't. You mentioned earlier that or before we got going that uh, you don't even have a lot of full time staff. Yeah, we're we're really about five and three quarter full time staff, which is by itself almost impossible. It's about five staff, and then we augment for all the responsibilities with consultants, and that's finance, engineering, planning, um, uh, legal, uh, you know, everything, that, accounting, all those different types of resources. We're not big enough to require or be able to afford. Uh, an internal resource for those. So yeah. our annual operating budget's around the $2 million range. We we, we have about s- just under 700000 that we earn in uh, taxes each year. One of our greatest challenges is that we are truly destitute. 
Yeah. We have a statutory minimum of six, six months of operating reserves for a municipality of our size. And that means we should have about $750,000 in the bank should, everything, should anything go sideways. Okay. That's sort of your safety net. Yeah. We currently have $306,000. Wow. And we can't tax our way out of this because for every 1% that we raise the property taxes, we only generate $10,000. Really? And so wow. we ha- when you have such a small tax base, people think Belcara is this uh, ultra high net worth, like Hollywood, like Holly, you know, Rodeo Drive. And the reality is- Yeah, I actually thought that it's mostly wealthy people that live yeah, there. Yeah, well, it, it's not. I mean, look, we moved to Belcara because we couldn't afford to live in Vancouver. Good that's point. what That's what probably 75% of Belcara, maybe maybe 85% of Belcara is. There are some beautiful houses on the water. Yeah. And those houses, when you have only 285 properties, a number of them are, are really, truly just properties. Like the cabins yeah. would be, they're, they're ready to fall down. Right. It doesn't take much for the odd six or $8 million house to odd, all of a sudden influence or, or, or significantly outweigh all of the other houses to raise right. an average property price up to about 1.85 million. Yeah. And if you think about where we are yeah. and the size of the properties we have and the fact that we're on the water and everybody has essentially an ocean view. Yeah. The same properties in West Van would probably, the average house, instead of being 1.85 million, would probably be eight and a half million. Right. Meaning that we're very undervalued. Yeah. But as a result, we're also under-resourced. Yeah. Two thirds of the, of the municipality are on a potable water system. The other third is using wells still. Really? And everybody has a septic field. Wow. There is no sewer. Nor will there ever be a sewer. We could never yeah. afford to bring a sewer in. Yeah. And so we, we are, our prospects for becoming a uh, a thriving metropolis are are non-existent. Okay. The goal is is to be able to stabilize what is a, what is unfortunately a uh, a weak financial position which compromises the safety and security and services we can offer residents. Okay. And that's what I have to get done in the next three and wow. a half years. Wow. Or so. <laughs> it's a big challenge there for you. It um, is, and for all of council, it is a team. I don't yeah. want to underplay the fact that it's going to take the whole village. When you sure. know the, you know the analogy, it takes a village. It truly will take a village to to be able to recover. We yeah. had very very low property tax increases, and and the village was really really enjoyed it. Yeah. But when you don't increase property taxes with the with the rest of the municipalities, and you don't put a penny away for infrastructure replacement. Yeah. Which is just unheard of these days. Right. When you don't put that money aside and you haven't raised the property taxes to be able to put money in the bank, all of a sudden you find yourself exactly where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sounds like a project that's not going to get fixed over three and a half years, but at least you can get the process started and hopefully... Uh, yeah. You know, we, there's tools to be put in place. We're looking at renegotiating the funding, match the, the match funding and the grant up, the grant access that we can have with all the different financial resources otherwise available. Yeah. We're looking at trying to gain uh, gain partnerships with other municipalities where there weren't before to share resources and offset some of the operating costs that we currently are, re- are required to be able to support ourselves. Okay. And we don't have much time. You know, I know you, you, know, you say, you know, three, three and a half years is, is probably not going to solve it. We ran out of water, our fire department did, on two of our last major fires. And we have one road out of Belcara and only two roads out of the entire region. Wow. With thousands of people visiting Belcara Park, White Pine Beach, and Sasmat Lake. Never mind Bunsen Lake, which is just up the road from us. When the next fire hits, we that running out of water may be the reason we can't even protect an evacuation. Wow. So this is an urgent, not a not a hobby re- uh, requirement for okay. us. Okay, that's good. Well, thanks for explaining that part. I mean, that's an important message uh, for those people who are listening to understand, especially if they're in a decision-making role to help support you guys financially. We, we, uh, we always appreciate it, but we don't expect that there's going to be a lot of sympathy when you see the weighted, the weighted average of values yeah. for the homes. So we know we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, one other item about sort of the demographics of Belcara, um, there's just so few residents. And I, I believe I've heard you before say that a lot of these residences are multi-generation uh, properties because they're not actually full-time residents. Believe it or not, the multi-generation ones are the ones that are being affected by the spec tax because they're the ones that are handed down as family legacies. Right. The houses are all being lived in. They're not empty. We, we don't have a vacancy problem. There's probably less than 10 houses, whether as an investment or otherwise, are, are empty or would, or would be captured by a vacancy tax. Okay. And I know there's one, for example, because I met an American, American citizen who has to be in the U.S. Or they can't be in Canada more than, five, more than six months less a day. Right. Now, she considers her house in Belcare as her primary residence, and it's where all her closest friends live. 
but she cannot be in Canada six months of the year to meet the minimum for the speculation tax requirement. Right, by a day. She's off by a day. Basically. She's actually being forced to sell her house because she can't afford it. And it does. it's not going to get rented by someone else. And it's yeah. not going it, to, it, it's, it's not what the intention is to be able to help Belcare. That's not helping Belcare losing a valued resident. Yeah. Wow. That's too bad. Well, let's, you know what, this is a perfect uh, segue into jumping into the vacancy and speculation tax. So maybe let's start for the listeners that are not that familiar with Please, what yeah. this is. And we've got it up on the website here as well, is the speculation, vacancy and speculation tax, speculation vacancy tax, which was quickly tabled by the BC, BC NDP slash Green Party. Uh, some They're not technically a coalition, but a lot of people just for easier terms call it a coalition government came out with this proposal. Well, actually, it was the NDP. I mean, they, they proposed... It's their 30-point plan. Yeah, right. I think it was point number 30, actually. Right. And, and point 29-point plan didn't sound well enough, didn't sound good enough. <laughs> so this was this was jammed in possibly in with a little bit less thought uh, that it should have had. Yeah, well, I would agree that there's been not enough thought on this because yeah. while I like the spirit of the concept, the in my view, the NDP have really missed the, you know, they missed the mark on a few critical things and you your story is so poignant um so just to be clear for the listeners what this is is the idea is in spirit is to try and get more homes occupied by people that are otherwise just sitting empty yes um and so when they first came out with it we were talking uh, before we got on camp on uh, on this podcast about the communities that were part of that in sort of called proposal number one until this huge amount of pushback came from the general public and those included the Gulf Islands, included, I think, March, most part of the Sunshine Coast, Lions Bay, uh, Parksville Regional District. Bowen Island. Bowen Island. Yeah. Um, and, and then the government came out with a sort of second proposal where they nixed a bunch of those uh, locations. Well, I think those ones all survived, I think, the ones that you've just listed. Yeah. So th- those ones survived. I think that there have been talk uh, of of a bunch of other locations that uh, that were not accepted into that first cut, and a second cut never materialized. Yeah. That was where we put our application in to be considered in advance of the actual bills going out. Right. That we would meet any criteria any of those other locations had had met in order to be excluded. Yeah. And that exemption criteria, as as uh, innocuous as it seems, uh, we still meet it, and we and we weren't exempted. Yeah. The the reasons that we weren't exempted were 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 inaccurate in all the communications that these residents have had and that I've had. Things like that were part of Metro Vancouver, so you can't be exempted if you're part of Metro Vancouver. But Bowen Island and Lions Bay are both part of Metro Vancouver, and they were exempted. Right. And then there was the argument that we're 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 closer to Vancouver than uh, than Lions Bay, and we're not. We're actually eight minutes closer. Sorry, we're eight minutes further away from Vancouver if you use Google Maps than Lions Bay is. Right. And so each of the different criteria they keep coming up with was obvious a defensive mechanism to try to explain what hadn't just been something they were willing to do in the first place. Sure. Well, you know, this is my, as a non-political person, it's my, as a just average guy, I feel like one of the problems with politicians. Yeah. Um, and there's no knock against yourself. I know you're not, you're not really a politician. I'm no politician. Yeah. I have the job of a politician, <laughs> yeah, but, but you're I certainly not a, don't self-identify as one. But they just, when they make a mistake, they just seem to not be able to admit and just move on. But I mean, a, this a, is a great part. business person will recognize a mistake they've made. They'll admit it and move on. This and is I, what sucks the life out of me for, as a first time politician. Uh-huh. I'm using air quotes as, yeah. I, as I talk on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, they have already exempted other municipalities. So they'd already set the standard for an exactly, exemption. It, yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't have been breaking a seal in order to exempt one more. Yeah. They also know that we're not who they're looking for. The NDP team, no, actually, they not. told me to my face that we are collateral damage. And the problem with politics is that we don't have enough voters to matter because doing the right thing itself no longer matters when you get into politics. Right. And that's what is, I find just like soul destroying. Sure. I, I deal with these, with the rest of the mayors in, in the lower mainland all the time. And I truly believe each of them are doing the very, very best they can for each of the municipalities. I may not agree with how they're doing it, yeah. but I think they really are trying to do their best job. There's something when you get into the party structure and provincial yeah, exactly. and federal. That means that you're you're towing the party line and you're more worried about getting elected again or reelected than you are about doing the right thing. And it would take a single signature to protect about 25 families who are being unfairly punished as speculators despite owning their properties for 60 plus years. Yeah, incredible. And it takes a signature and yet 
they didn't want to do it because it didn't it wasn't consistent with the party line and it wasn't going to impact them for when they're going to try and get reelected so yeah. they they essentially said no yeah not essentially they refused to say no carol james when i met with her said at least 3 if not 4 times verbatim you can apply with the rest of the mayors in the summer when the next year's exemption opportunity comes up it's terrible over and over and over she said the same thing she wouldn't even she wouldn't even wouldn't grant even me with a no consider it no and the, the, that meeting that's supposed to happen was supposed to happen in june or uh-huh. june or july i've not heard a whisper of the opportunity to have that exemption application going in for next year yeah well look you know i'm drinking your kool-aid right now i'm on the same page my personal view is parties especially the big ones yeah are far more problematic for our society today. And you look at the United States as a classic example. They're so divisive down down there, both the Democrats and the Republicans. You're absolutely right, but it's and not so different up here. If you watch not. if you watch the news, each party is is saying that every single thing the other party is saying is wrong. How can that be possible? It's impossible. It, yeah. It's so divisive. It's 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 My, so counterintuitive to do to making a better life for everybody. Exactly. My biggest competitors do a lot of stuff really well. That's why they're my competitors. And imagine you learn from them, and you and you you push the you push the bar forward. You help more people by virtue of taking right. the knowledge gained from each. Instead of playing the blame game, the positioning game, the he said she said, just putting the good ideas together and getting that stuff done yeah. would be. It would be a, a, a game changer. And I'll be yeah. honest with you, I don't see it changing. And, and yeah. I, I, I came into this hoping to make a difference. Yeah. And what I quickly realized in the bigger picture and dealing with the provincial, oh my God, the provincial politics and, and the NDP and watching what's happened with the speculation tax, never mind a bunch of other initiatives that are underway, it is soul destroying. Mm. These people may have been really, really good people when they started and they get conditioned over time. Every time they compromise a little bit around what they know is right, to be to to toe the party line. Yeah. None of them think that a speculator is someone who has owned a property or built it by hand more than 60 years ago. <laughs> sure. But they'll look you they'll probably look at children and say these people should be paying this tax because that's what the party told them to when if they removed themselves and remembered who they were before they got into politics when they actually were trying to do the right thing yeah. and not just trying to get reelected. Yeah. They would never ever admit to someone else that those people should be charged. Yeah. Completely, totally, un, completely unintended consequences, and I find it it's soul-destroying to have to be around people like that. I hate it. Well, let's hope that maybe this podcast and other work that you've been doing and your, your council members have been doing will eventually change something. It might not change the whole system, but at least hopefully this can change your situation in Belcare. We're going to do our best, but I, I, I hold zero zero hope or confidence that I can help with that I can help that I can have any degree of influence with the bigger system I'm just trying to advocate on behalf of at least at least the residents of Belcare and the others yeah. from other municipalities because we've become a lightning rod yeah the other municipalities who have people who are also being impacted who have cabins I'm I'm, I'm include them in my advocacy but but I don't believe we're going to have a chance to impact the bigger picture yeah yeah when you look at other municipalities that you think should be exempt from this tax who would be other ones that you would list well here's the problem mm-hmm. uh it, it is complicated and i grant that I, i've never been to i've never told anybody that we should be getting rid of the speculation tax all mm-hmm. i've said is the criteria by which previous exemptions have been granted belcara meets them and then some yeah the first one you have to look at if you're taking a look at which municipalities have the greatest need for for housing whistler whistler was exempted there is a housing crisis in Whistler. The businesses they were exempted from day one, weren't they? Yes, they were, and yeah. the, and 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 those are where the zillionaires who made their money on the property increases were parking their helicopters in yeah, their driveway. 100%. The businesses can't even hire enough staff, and the staff are sleeping in their vans in the parking lots. Well, they've had to create a. Uh, the municipality has created because I got a couple of friends that work up there, and one of them works for the municipality, and they've had to create this uh, like uh, local resident housing program. Yeah. Uh, where there's a maximum number of a dollar uh, percentage of growth. That's just, so there's almost like a two market system. Yeah, and, just and to address the housing how do you, problem. How there. do you justify not including Whistler in the speculation tax if you're trying to improve housing availability in a place that has become a rampant? Uh, a speculator, a speculator uh, wind zone. Sure, everybody who's living in Whistler has made so much money. That's yeah. the place they went to speculate. Right, and but and, the reason and they're you know the reason, right? Well, I, the, what I've heard is the, the risk of there being so many Americans who have property there and they're so litigious that the government didn't want to risk all the litigation from Americans who are, who are accurately saying this is ridiculous. 
Sure, that makes sense. I haven't thought. I haven't heard that one. That's the that's the one that I've heard. Yeah, the ver, the view that I have, but I would this would apply, is that there are so much powerful, wealthy individuals that own a place in Whistler. The pushback, whether you were liberal, NDP or Green, would be so bad. It's not worth dealing with it. Well, and, there's no question that strategic that strategic uh, exemption was yeah. in place. Let's talk a minute about the kind of families that are being affected by the speculation yeah, tax. So I haven't, which I think is an important point. I haven't had a single, not a single family who's come to me who uh, who have a, a multi-million dollar house or multiple multi-million dollar houses and they're just complaining. Not a single one. The people who have come to me are the multi-generationals or the ones who have special cases and they weren't exempted where they can't be in their Belcara house or their Belcara cabin year round. The ones who are the most emotionally fra- distraught are the ones who are second generation so their, their parents or their, their aunts and uncles built houses 40 to 60 plus years ago. They willed them and, and they left them in trust with, this, with these individuals. Right. Who are themselves senior citizens now. These people are on fixed incomes. They're trying to, they're trying to be able to afford to pay the property tax, which is their valid contribution to the system. Sure. And, and they have these cabins that are not rentable full-time. They're not used full-time, but they are the family heirloom where all of the family is intended to gather. Yeah. I mean, lots of for, memories. For anybody, who has, for anybody who has kids, imagine the goal. I certainly can. The goal of being able to leave to my children and my grandchildren and, and their children a place where the family gets together where it's in the outdoors reminds them about relationships rather than technology and that's the air that's the, that's the that's the heirloom that that is that is supposed to be protected for everybody to enjoy forever yeah there's taxes that are being paid on it there's infrastructure like they are doing their part but they've had them for like 60, 60 plus years yeah these are the people who are on these fixed incomes who have so much trouble being able to afford the speculation tax and the speculation tax as a as a mechanism to try to force people to rent these things out they're unrentable. Right. <laughs> they're often boat access only, and they don't have potable water. These are not the target. So I, I'm, I'm assuming some of them are maybe not even insurable. Well, you cannot insure for renter because you, you, no insurance company provides rental insurance if the house is being powered by a big propane tank. <laughs> right. And that, that's the actual, I'm told, that's the actual problem. If you're right. powering your house with a propane tank, you can't get renter's insurance. Right. So, so even if you put these places up for a dollar a month, it wouldn't matter because no one, no one's going to, if you want to have a boat to get out to a bunch of these places, you have to have a a marina spot on the mainland to be able to have your boat when you're on mainland. Just the cost is there's no, there's no marina where you're going to be able to have that boat that can withstand a trip up the arm and back in waves in the winter. That's going to charge you less than probably five grand a year or more just to be able to have your boat on the mainland when you, and you're going to have to car as well. Yeah. These are not going back into the rental pool. No, they're not. And and when the when the NDP started putting this whole thing forward about yeah, the money's going to stay in the municipality that we pull it out of. Well, they went back on that. The municipalities aren't getting anything. It's just going into general funds to offset all the other spend that's going in. Mm-hmm. They say you're not going to be impacted if you have cabins. Well, that's obviously incorrect because all these people's cabins are getting nailed. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not tracking the benefit it is to the individual municipalities. There was a great study that just came out that said 25% of Belcara's properties are being impacted by the speculation tax. 25%. Oh. Yeah. And I've already explained there's 57 properties that are water access only in Belcara. They're cabins. Sure. Of course, they're not a primary residence. Yeah. They absolutely. can't be a primary residence. Yeah. So that the numbers are perfectly in line. I'm not trying to protect a bunch of zillionaires so that they're not getting hit. These are people who inherited cabins. They are not cash rich. They cannot afford to put just another five grand plus into another property tax that's after tax money or speculation tax sure. on top of their legitimate property taxes. So this is a devastating thing, far more devastating than it would have been to Whistler or the proper cities like a Parksville or a yeah, Lions Bay sure. or Bowen Island. Absolutely. It, just, it and, obviously and gets me angry. Let's talk. Yeah, of course. Well, I love the passion. This is great. And this is why I have you here because I think it's such an, it doesn't impact a lot of British Columbians. You're talking about a very small number of families that, you know, are not material. Yes. They don't move the needle on the voting which card. Is, which is why they're discarded. But it's, but it's important. That's why we're talking about this. And what I find so interesting, I've never been to Belcara, but of course I've driven through Lions Bay. It's a beautiful little community. Yes. And to me, there are there are homes, beautiful homes in Belcara, homes right on the water that sit empty. No, not in Belcara. I mean, sorry, Belcara. I meant to in say- Lions Bay. Lions Bay. Yeah, sorry, absolutely. Sorry. In Lions Bay that are, are empty- uh, they are owned by whether they're British Columbians or somebody else from Canada, somebody from Washington State. 
and they got themselves removed and you didn't. And and there's we like everybody that works in business downtown Vancouver knows somebody that commutes from Lions Bay. Well, I, I, I'm assuming I, they're a larger community, right? They're, they're much larger. Yeah. And they have no boat yeah. access only. They're all road access. Right. So I did, I did a, we'll call it like a, a, a an, an informal forensic on what happened. Uh-huh. Jordan Sturdy is the MLA for the Liberals representing West Vancouver, Lions Bay, and Bowen Island. Yeah. And Jordan Sturdy did a fantastic job advocating for Lions Bay and Bowen Island to be carved out and protected from the speculation tax. Okay. He did a great job and their council did work, but Jordan was in the hallways saying, look, you've got to take care of these people. Okay. So he was really pounding the table. The NDP MLA representing Belcara is, is Rick who? Glumack. Rick Glumack? Rick Glumack. Okay. Rick not only didn't request the carve out on behalf of his constituents in Belcara. He didn't advocate for anybody outside of his main, his main Coquitlam Port Moody. And he advocated for the speculation tax. Really? He's in the news saying his constituents wanted it. Well, he came out in September, on September 29th last year to Belcara residents and to have an open house conversation about the speculation tax. I don't know how many people showed up. I didn't cause it wasn't impacting me. And I wasn't, I wasn't planning to run for mayor. This was not an issue that I He's had to deal that. with. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he comes out, has this meeting, and I'm told they gave him a whack of different questions. And he acknowledges he was given a bunch of work he was supposed to come back and answer. He never answered a single question. He never followed up. And he says that all of the records of that meeting have been lost. He has declined to come back and meet with the residents again, refused multiple invitations to come back to meet with the residents again in Belcare to talk about what the opportunity is for exemption for the speculation tax for next well, he's year. No, he knows he's not going to get any kind of warm. But, but, but you get my uh, point. He doesn't care. Yeah. He just doesn't care. Yeah. He's not trying to do the right thing. Yeah. He didn't try to do the right thing in the first place. And this comes back to the entire appeal for exemption that I started with. I said, look to Carol James and, and after having exhausted my, which didn't take long, my expectations that Rick could help us, please exempt us for the following reasons. And I gave her a binder mm-hmm. and the binder had photos and it had maps and it showed exactly where all these cabins were. And I said, this is why they can't be rented. This is why they're not going to benefit the general community because we're not creating housing by virtue of punishing these people. Yeah. Will you please exempt us? And that's when she kept saying, no, no, you know, you can apply for an exemption with Next the other summer. mayors in the yeah. summer. Yeah. So when she said no, through that analogy, uh, like three or four times, I said, you are, you're forcing me to do battle with the NDP. You're, you're forcing me to, 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 in order to advocate for my, my constituents that are being impacted, or you're forcing me to become a pain and, and enough of a pain that it's easier to just exempt us and do the right thing than it is just to exempt us in the first place. And she said, you do what you have to do. And I said, you don't understand, like nobody wins in a war. Sure. I, I have no desire to go to war. This is the worst possible case scenario. But if I'm going to do my job to advocate for our residents, you're forcing me to go public and become as much trouble as I can just so that you will do the right thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. She said, you do what you have to do. Yeah. So the next week, the next week I took, I took four <laughs> largely octogenarian residents from Belcara and we went on a road trip to Victoria and we were in question period and we started our campaign publicly at that time. Well, I never had any intent to be a pain to the NDP. I never had an intent to try and challenge them across the board publicly or behind the scenes. Sure. I offered them the media clip where I'd say how great it was to work with the NDP and they took recon- they recognized that this wasn't the intended audience and they're trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I offered to collaborate with them to make sure that the media presented the message about how we weren't appropriate. We were being held as collateral damage completely ignored us because we mm. don't have enough people that they care. Well, I'm the guy with the people crying in front of me at the office. They're the ones who just don't care. Well, I love what you're doing, Neil. Um, oh, I'm, I'm not even a resident of Belcara, but I hope that uh, in Thank any you. residence I live, I'd have a mayor as passionate as you are. and Or, and or, or as crazy. <laughs> so uh, I, I first learned about you actually through Twitter because I'm a pretty big, big, I'm pretty active on Twitter. And I actually uh, saw you through Joan Isaacs Mm. uh, because she's a liberal NMLA and I don't even think she's in your, she's not. not And and she has been really supportive. Yeah. I, I, I understand that there's benefit for the liberals to be able to show, and this is what, this is what the opposition does. They're supposed to hold the other party accountable. Accountable. Yeah. I have to say she doesn't get any direct benefit and she was wonderful. Yeah. Jordan Sturdy, just giving me the background information on how he was successful before to try and help me to create the same level of success in without having Rick being able to help us or advocate us. Rick yeah. Lumack was, was never going to be able to help us. If I could replicate what Jordan Sturdy had done, I was hoping I could, you know, mimic the success that he'd had. Yeah. 
the liberals have been really supportive in large part because it's easy to be supportive of something that's obviously being misapplied. Yeah, sure. And, and so I credit them for that. I don't think that they're doing everything perfectly, but I don't think anybody is. No. And, and so I appreciate who, the people who are doing their best to do the right thing, regardless of the party. And Joan has been fantastic. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about life is no matter how many mistakes you make, you always have tomorrow to correct those mistakes. And so my message to um, your MLA, Rick Glumack, Rick Glumack is good Rick. Luck. Hopefully you have a list. Hope you have a listen. I, look, there's some good people within the NDP. Some people, some of them are my friends. I'm not a party supporter. I'm yeah. actually really against it. So I really connect with what you're saying there. I support a lot of MPs or people running for MP and MLA uh, from all across all party lines. Um, and so I hope that, you know, the people who have the power, which currently today is the NDP and your local MLA, Rick Blumack, will look at this and just, you know, make the right decision. Because let, let's, and on that note, yeah. let's talk about some specific, you don't, I don't know if you want to mention names, if they, if, if they mind if you mention names, but can we talk about a one or two families and like, you know, kind of describe the property they have, what's the assessed value, what's the real dollar yeah. impact? It's a half percent, right? Per year. It's going up to one percent. Yeah, this and it's going to and, it, and it uh, next year it's going to it, empty properties that don't even have houses built on them. I understand are going to start getting taxed as well next year. Is that year. right? Yeah. Oh. So uh, one of the one of the one of the four that I brought to Victoria was the one that people may recognize from the news. It's a it it looks like a shack. Okay. The property value is approximately one point four million. But yeah. remember, it's been in the family for probably what fifty years. Yeah. And the shack is assessed at thirteen thousand dollars. Wow. It doesn't have any insulation, doesn't have uh, potable water. Yeah. Uh, you have to walk to get to the property, can't drive right up to it. It's not boat access only, but it's not. Are we it, able to reference the address? Or No, no. no okay. it, and it wasn't referenced in the news, which is why I wouldn't oh, promote it. But, okay. but the yeah. photo of this property, when you when you Google uh, speculation tax or Belcara, this is the one that looks like it's a little fishing shack <laughs> yeah. and it's on stilts. And, and you can see why it's not a full-time inhabitable house. Right. It's not an empty house. And Anytime someone owns something for multiple decades, they're not speculators, no matter matter what you're doing. They may have an empty home that's barely a home. An empty property, but it's not a home. Right. You know, if you can't live in it full time, it's not a home. Yeah, 100%. So so that's a a perfect example. example. $13,000 And the reason they have that over million dollar... Uh, value value is probably because it's just a bunch of land. It's the land only. And how many? How many? It's probably like six acres or no, no, okay. oh no. It's probably it's probably a quarter of an acre. Quarter of an acre. Maybe maybe okay. a half of an acre. But it's down in the it's down on the water. But it's on the water, so it gets the extra. It gets va- it yeah. gets and it in the in West Vancouver that property that 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 whatever. Let's say it's a half acre, probably worth yeah. three million bucks, four right. million bucks just on the water. Yeah. It's not their fault yeah. that the property value has come up and they haven't sold it. So they don't yeah. get a chance to enjoy a capital gain that, mm-hmm. by the way, they'd be taxed, they'd be taxed on also because it's not of a course. primary residence. Yeah. So the tax system is already there. Yeah. What they're being done is they're being punished for the potential. And the way the system is so broken that the NDP are taxing them on the potential of what that property could be worth. But if that property value goes down next year, they do not get to deduct the capital losses of what that property is worth less than than what they paid taxes on it the previous year. Right. It is the most screwed up system. You, it, it's, it's the kind of system that would be illegal in gambling. You can't only take a piece of the profits and not have any risk on the downside. And yet that's what the government's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just running the numbers and the math there. And so that'd be at that, you said it was 1.4? Approximately 1.4. So I believe it's a $5,000 bill just for the spec tax. Yeah, just, just well, just over, yeah. So, so it's going to be, and I think I think the spec tax is going to 1%, but that's $7,000 a year. We have we have a gentleman and, and he has a special needs daughter. So they live beside, they have a small place in, I think, Port Coquitlam. And they, they're there during the week. And that because her daughter gets her care right next door, mm-hmm. their, their daughter gets the care. Well, they have this place that they bought, I believe, 22 years ago in Belcara. And without going into it, it, it there's, no, there's no question. It's a beautiful spot. And it wasn't bought as an investment. They bought it 22 years ago. They bought it because they're there every weekend. And, and whenever the care is not required for their daughter, they're there. But they're not there six months in a day of the year. So his property tax went from $15,000 a year to $43,000 next year. Wow. And that's all of that additional cost is speculation tax and the more than $3 million school tax. That's what the NDP are doing. Oh, because they're these some of these properties being hit with the school tax. Anything too. over three million dollars gets hit with the school tax. So a twenty three thousand, twenty three thousand from fifteen to forty three. So we're talking a massive increase, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know the split for what the actual yeah. what the spec tax is versus the school tax, but it's a mass. And and this is 
a retiree after tax money. Yeah. And, and again, the, the, you know, you're, they were supposed to be exempt if there are special circumstances. Well, guess what? They haven't been exempted. Mm. That's incredible. The um, the the spec the uh, the education tax yeah. or the school tax yeah. similar to what I didn't know that actually the speculation and vacancy tax wasn't being sent back to the communities. No, of course not. Of course it's um, not. That, just I, like the cabins weren't supposed to be done. This is the idea of selling something up front, and once it passes, doing, a, doing amendments after yeah. the fact. And this is what politicians do. They spin things. As they, as they drop the electric vehicle incentives right this week, yeah. they're spinning it as if more people will get it. Well, no, they're, they're dropping the value, so it lasts a little bit longer. longer it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to politics. Yeah. Well, that was the GST. I remember 1989 when Brian Mulroney brought the GST in. It was supposed to be used solely and only for paying down the federal debt. And and it only took like less than a year. And all of a sudden that money started getting hands brought in. You know, yeah. the, the cookies were going, their fingers were going in the cookie jar. I was, fa- I was fascinated on the other side of the coin when the Coquihalla toll stopped. Yeah. I just figured once a toll's in, it's there yeah. till the end of time. I know. I was blown away and, by and, that. And that's the kind of thing where I thought, holy smokes, did that's that, did that never really just happen? Where, where are they going to catch up that somewhere else? <laughs> so I was trying to figure out where I was going to be paying the money somewhere yeah. else. Because you're right. They, they come in and, they, and you don't get them back. Yeah. And, and the NDP are, are writing checks that homeowners aren't going to be able to cash for much longer, which right. is why we have the risk of the, of the, of the debt rating getting knocked down. And, and it's yeah. been vocalized by a number of the different service agents. Yeah. We are at risk of having our, 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 our AAA bond rating being dropped if we continue to spend that way, and, way and we are. And if we get that, Neil, how, as a guy who works in the financial, yeah. and I work in fixed income, so I know yeah. that market better than most. Better than me. The, the cost to our province will be astronomical. It'll be way, because the borrowing cost and AA versus AAA yeah. is a big, big difference so, there. So the NDP are trying to buy all these votes by, by writing all these checks, and then they're trying to find little ways to bring, to bring the cash in no matter how they can. Mm-hmm. The employer's health tax is another perfect example. They're double dipping this year. Mm-hmm. They just need to get, they need to, to stick That's that right, little, they, got the, they stick the little knife in and try and get a yeah. little bit more out of everything. So yeah, they said yeah. they were going to get rid of the MSP. Well, they just transferred it over to the business owners. One of our residents on Friday last week, I met, I met with, he has a company that has 65 employees, or it did until the EHT got moved over, and now he has 45. He had to let 20 of his employees go because he couldn't afford the actual cost on his on his bottom line yeah. based on taking over the EHT tax. Yeah. Well, that doesn't help people get into housing. No, it that's doesn't. Not help, that's not helping people be able to survive the, the you know, the, 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 those who are most challenged in society. It's just moving the cost to someone else as they constantly are doing. And we're not going to be able to keep writing those checks. Yeah. They double dip on that this year. Next year, that's one less resource. They're going to have to come back. And I bet you they're going to roll the spec tax out even further. Well, well I hope not. I mean, we'll see. I mean, because I think they've got, there's clearly situations like you guys uh, in Belcara that needs to get fixed. Agreed. Um, but, you know, I was quite critical of the Vancouver uh, vacancy tax when it first came out. I'm a little bit less critical now because it's proven to generate some pretty good revenue. The problem with it is all the um, workarounds and loopholes and cheats that people do. And they don't even have a, you know, city of Vancouver doesn't even have a whistleblower program. Mm. I mean, the neighbor I hit the hood, I live in West Point Gray, full of empty homes. And I'm pretty sure most of them are not paying this. They're figuring something out, right? Uh, there are loopholes all over the place. There's no question, but yeah. but that doesn't mean, to your point earlier, that it's a that the vacancy tax isn't a good thing. Yeah, put in the right place, in the right place, right and, context, and, and laid out properly and enforced properly. I'm not trying to get people to knock the speculation tax out of the ballpark. Yeah, I'm just ta- asking them for a clear and consistent set of guidelines for application and exemption. Yeah, and if that comes through, we'll be fine. There's a fellow named Tom Davidoff who we did a podcast with a few weeks ago, and he's a he's a a senior economist and one of the professors at UBC in the mm. urban land economics, really well-respected, uh, you know, expert in, in real estate. And he actually, he and a few other professors, I think it was that was Ross, like six years ago, seven years ago, maybe not that long ago. It was like 2015. The, I think. the white paper? That yeah. The white paper. Yeah. yeah I yeah. can look it up. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this speculation vacancy tax is kind of a twist on what they wrote, but one of the key things they said in this piece, which you mentioned is that any revenue that would come from this would go back into those communities to address affordable housing. You mentioned at the beginning of our podcast how Belcare is pretty underfunded, especially with the We have risk the of worst fi- financial position of any municipality in Metro Vancouver by a long, long way. Yeah. 
do you have any estimate about how much money in a, you said is it 12 homes or more how many how many families are being affected by the speculation vacancy tax so of the 57 boat access only or water access only designated properties not all of those have actual cabins on them yet so this year it's not as bad okay. and not all of those are worth more than four hundred thousand dollars and so we're going to see it get worse there's yeah. approximately i'd say 20 families right now that are being, being impacted yeah, absolutely. And do you know what collectively they're going to end up paying to uh, to the provincial government? I I don't know. Don't I could pick a round yeah. number. Let's just say it's a hundred grand. Okay, a hundred grand going back into your community would Is actually it, would, would, would negate be a, sig- would negate a ten percent property tax increase. Yeah, can you imagine? Like that's yeah. how big a deal. So this I think is another message to send to the NDP that if they can't come to realize that this is not suitable for Bell Care, if they can't just come to accept that they made a small mistake with a very small community, just turn around and do what they did for Lions Bay and Bowen Island. At least send the money back yeah. to Belcare to help that community so that at least... Yeah, know, I, it would be great. However, the cynic in me says we'd have a better chance of having them do the right thing if we could just find someone in the NDP to move to Belcare. <laughs> We're trying to find someone to move so that we'll have the same protection that all the other residences of the of the NDP and the other parties have. Right. <laughs> so if anyone out there yeah. looking for a job who's in a provincial uh, a provincial party of any stature, yeah, please consider Bell Karras. He can come and actually protect us properly and, and do Rick Lumack's job for him. Well, you know, the thing is, with what's happening now, it sounds to me like some of your residents are going to be forced to sell their places. Well, they are. And, and this, this example, th- th- there's multiple examples where they are being forced. We, right. we sell, we probably have like eight to 10 properties a year that are in the market in Belcara. Yeah. We've sold for the entire year. We have like 10 on the market Listed right now. Right now. And here's the thing that I think a lot of people, my dad was a realtor for 25 years yeah. and I, and in a small market. So I get small market versus big market and you're a small, small market. Even at the, uh, let's go back to the house that's worth 1.3 million, 1.4 million, 1.4 with the shack on it. Yes. And I was running running the numbers even on down to the uh, monthly. So this is is like the equivalent of paying $600 a month to rent your own home now because of the extra tax. And so a family like that might go, you know what, throw their hands up in the air. We've had this property for 60 years. Let's just get rid of it. We'll at least get some, you know, get a 1.4 million. But the reality is, it's not as liquid as selling, you know, T-bills. I oh, mean, no. you put your place up for sale, water access only, little shack, and you know this tax is now in play. Who's going to buy it? Like the well, assessed value and maybe the market value is 1.4, but it might take you two years to sell this thing. You're paying the tax while it's on the market. That's to right. Your point. You're paying capital gains to the government when it sells. So you're, do, you're still contributing the yeah. value as everybody does. You're paying property taxes while you currently have it. One of the residents was open and honest enough about her income. She was earning $21,000 a year and the speculation tax bill for her property, which her father floated the logs up the arm to build more than 50 years ago, was was about $5,000. 25% of her yeah. income, before tax income, was going to have to be going to just the speculation tax. Yeah. And and she, had, she and her brother and all the grandkids are using this place. We have another place that's, it, this is road access only, not a boat access, a road access only family cabin. They have, I believe, 43 family members using this using this as the family legacy, and, and obviously it's being used more in the summer. But it could be used it could be used all year round, like weekends, but not six months in a day by a single party. You can attach their name to it to protect it from the spec tax. Yeah, that's not who we're trying to punish here. Yeah, they're paying all their taxes, and if you force them to sell. That $1.4 million dollar property that you alluded to before. Yeah, if the capital gains are on fifty percent of the value. Because they probably bought it for ten thousand bucks or less. Yeah, it's going to be most. Of the, they're most going to they're, they're going to end up with probably about six hundred thousand dollars. So they're not these zillionaires that people no. think they are living in Belcara, and they've let. This is the worst part: the emotional letdown of their of their deceased, you know, aunts, uncles, parents, that they were trusted to protect this property yeah. for for the family legacy. Yeah, that's who's being impacted, and and they're not solving the homeless problem at the same time because no, when not. that when that little cabin which is generous and that shanty ha- when that little shanty house is pulled down yeah the a monster house the outhouse a monster house is going to go in there sure and it's not going to be rented so we lose the history of this great little cabin yeah we lose the the, the benefit of of this wonderful individuals of such a close part of our community and we end up with a monster house with someone new coming in yeah uh and, and that's not what the intent was from the start no not at all like there's no win here for belcare in this yeah collateral damage is yeah is, is being friendly yeah, unbelievable. So, 
I all, at the end of the day, the best thing to here's something else I actually want to mention. You told me earlier, uh, just a couple minutes ago, that you 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 know if you were to sort of spitball it, you'd say about a hundred thousand dollars would be the total revenue that would be generated from these uh, speculation homes. Uh, uh, you know, I'm guessing, but it, yeah, let's say let's say it's even one hundred fifty. Yeah, the thing that I I think uh, hopefully what's going to happen through this podcast, the work you've been doing yourself, and just banging the table and and making British Columbians understand that. There's a problem here and might not affect you in your own backyard, but you can get involved, call your MLA, call your NDP MLA or your green MLA and say, hey, why don't we support the small community? Is the reality is I hope you'll create enough ruffles for them to go, you know, for a hundred thousand dollars, we should just correct this and fix it because they're not even, it's not like, it's not like the hundred thousand dollars a year of money being paid by your 25 residents in Belcara. You are being, you are being so shiny blue sky happy <laughs> dreaming we we didn't need more good reasons the fact that it's a small dollar value yeah. is one but these aren't speculators number no. one it's a speculation tax yeah uh they're cabins and cabin owners weren't supposed to be taxed uh the not they don't have access so they can't even be rented even yeah. if they were to be taxed yeah you're not going to see a bunch of young millennials right. who can pay too much right. rent in Yaletown to move out to Belcara. so so we have a multitude of great reasons for them not to do it and they admit these aren't speculators remember right. they said collateral damage yeah they are not going to do this just because they're not going to do it yeah they don't need a reason not to because they've got plenty of good ones already yeah they're just not doing it because they don't want to to do one more signature for Belcara, like they did for Whistler, Parksville, Lions Bay, Bowen Island, Juan de Fuca. Sure. To do one more signature is nothing to them. Yeah. And they wouldn't take the time or have the consideration for these retirees on fixed income who are being impacted. It's not the rich people on the water who are living in their homes. They're not impacted by this either way. Mm-hmm. It's these retirees with these cabins who are being sure. impacted. Yeah. They have no interest in doing the right thing. And this is why it is such a soul sucking experience being in politics. Cause I'm watching people who may have been good people in the first place. Selena Robinson keeps talking about doing the right thing and helping people all the time. Well, the minister of housing is not sticking up for us mm-hmm. to try to protect these retirees and these cabins that will not improve housing for the region yeah okay well let's let keep our fingers crossed one more thing i want to ask you about yeah. on this topic before we jump to the next topic which is ubcm sure um and i think i asked earlier but i don't know if i got the right answer is if you look at the other communities in british columbia that are being impacted by this yeah are there any other communities like Belcara that are kind of uh finding themselves in the same situation that you're in today that you can at least kind of you know cry with over a, a, there's a, a few we, we're the probably the most vocal i think we're the uh-huh. lightning rod but there's a couple in the interior yeah i where, think where, that, where are they what do you, do you know the names if i remember correctly west Kelowna has been a, has been advocating for exemption as well and there's uh-huh. a few others as well yeah um funny enough uh it was revelstoke one of the counselors in revelstoke reached out to me via twitter and they want the spec tax and he offered to trade belcara <laughs> so i notified the ndp i'm like hey you can trade up trade up revelstoke get, you, get switch over belcara's yeah. belcara, you know the exemption in revelstoke and let belcara be enjoy that exemption and attack yeah. revelstoke they want it yeah and they'll probably get way more money from they it they would get way more money infinitely more money and guess what crickets from selena rick and carol james that's too bad and so i tried everything i tried the trade i tried the common sense the pleading the nice honey honey tip hey we'll we'll find a way to make sure that you guys get 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 the get the the kudos you deserve for being able to consider about doing the right thing all of that failed oh that's and we're left we're left with where we are and now we're doing a podcast and now we're doing a podcast <laughs> and thanks for having me i appreciate you know the chance to have this but it'd be great to have this podcast celebrating good things well not maybe, ju- not just challenging not just challenges well you know what is uh the doors are never closed in most situations in life i hope this is one of them so maybe we can do a podcast how cool would that be that would be pretty fun looking back yeah and hindsight do you remember when we had that that uh that <laughs> oh my god the world's falling on belcara conversation things are better now yes yeah. i do yeah yeah i hope that's not a parallel universe i hope yeah. that's ours to come i hope so i hope so well good luck with that thank you Let's let's switch gears for a second, Neil, yeah. and talk about UBCM. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a convention coming up in September. September, yeah. Um, so just f- for those listeners to understand, UBCM is the uh, Union of British Columbian Municipalities, Municipalities right? correct? So this is kind of a a gathering of city councilors, mayors, all the British Columbian elected officials, pretty much at the municipal level. Okay, yeah. And uh, there's preparations being made now. Sponsorships are being you know put together and that type of thing. And uh, Brad West, uh, mayor of Port Coquitlam, yes, uh, created a lot of uh, media hype last week. And I, I love this saying because he said, 
you know, I, I, what was it? I'm, I'm not here to make friends with other politicians. I'm yeah. here to do what's right for my community and for British Columbia. Yes. And, uh, and the topic came around the People's uh, Republic of China. Yes. And I don't know if we have this on our, uh, Ross, if we've got that page, um, but let's pull that up. Yeah. So this is the UBCM uh, 2019 convention page because they actually list who their current sponsors are. Right. And what I think a lot of British Columbians uh, will find fascinating from this is that there is a ton of oil and gas companies yeah. that are sponsoring. Yep. Um, and and I think Brad West was quoted as saying this is basically a pay for access. Pro, uh, absolutely. Event. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody would disagree. It is mm-hmm. it is a pay for access. And uh, and to validate that. The UBCM is not letting the Liberals gain access. They won't. They won't put them on the agenda unless they pay a sponsorship themselves for an actual opposition party. So it truly is at, at the at the at every level fee for access. Hmm. So what are your thoughts on Brad's comments? Do you support what he was saying? Um, I mean, not particularly necessarily to do with the People's Republic of China, but you know, it's it, it seems a bit odd to me that you have one c- country. Yep. Because when you look at the list, I don't even have it there, Ross. Uh, is that is this it here? Um, so sponsors of okay, there should be a list with all. It's it's actually in order of their ranking. But um, do you have do you see on there the People's Republic of China? I, I don't. I'll keep looking. I'll let you know yeah. once I have yeah. it up. I mean, it's on my Twitter. If you just it's I put a link on there. So, um, what are your thoughts? So, there's no question that that the optics are terrible. And and I, I I don't disagree with that for a second. The optics are terrible. I I uh, it's a complex issue, and 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 not that I'm defending that aside. I just wanted to offer one other thought. What's being lost in all of this back and forth is that do people have so little faith in politicians that if they are granting access to the People's Republic of China or to any other oil and gas or the other sponsor that it will influence policy. And the reality is, is they probably should be thinking that little of politicians in the first place. Right. Good be- point. Be- because that access is really, the, it's the outcome of that access that people are afraid of. Mm-hmm. And, and so if politicians can be, can be skewed or, or ridden on a robe just by virtue of being able to be uh, across the table from, from at a reception f- funded by a sponsor that's in question, then yeah, you do have to be careful about who you give access to politicians if they're that, uh, if there's that much influence available. Yeah. And there are... A lot of dirty politicians. There are a lot of people with questionable morals. There are a lot of people who are constantly looking for loopholes. So there is a legitimate concern, as represented by Brad, that yeah. that something that there will be extra opportunities that China is going to be able to be uh, introduced to by virtue of gaining access to the politicians. Yeah. yeah. So I support him on it. Yeah. When I say it's complex, you you don't see all the other mayors coming out and jumping behind him. We don't all have the luxury, I think, that Brad has of, of being able to have a number of different major things that we want to fight. Right. Uh, you know, the spec tax is my number one concern for Belcara. Sure. And then we have municipal challenges around finances and services and our water system yeah. that, that are, are my other top priorities. Fire c- concerns. Absolutely. Our ability yeah. to be able to put out fires is not there yet. Yeah. And so, so you don't really... I mean, I don't have the bandwidth yeah. to share the spotlight on issues like this when I have the opportunities to advocate specifically for Belcara. Yeah, good point. And, and and so that's why I think you probably don't see more mayors. It's not that we disagree with Brad. It's that each municipality has its own challenges. And Brad may have both the, both the luxury of not having as many, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, using using a, a, a metaphor, at least fires to put out in, in Port Coquitlam. Yeah. He also is the guy who's willing to stand up for what he thinks is right, and not everybody yeah. has that confidence. Yeah. Uh, or the, um, uh, you know, for for a, a gray-haired politician, perhaps might use the word recklessness yeah, to sure. take positions on things that might be more contentious. And I applaud Brad for it. Yeah. I'm a little jealous that he does. He he has as few things to fight as that that this can become one of his top yeah. ones because I couldn't. I'd love. Or maybe it's just that he likes a fight. There was somebody on Twitter who, when he was quoted uh, by mm. the, it was the Vancouver Sun or one of the. Uh, uh, the tie or something like that. Yeah. And someone replied with a, a little gif of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
I, you know, I saw that. I, I would disagree about him liking a fight. I think he's been consistent from all the things I've seen. He's been yeah. against the money laundering. Yes. And he's been against, and, and these are things that impact not just his municipality, but others. Yeah. I think he's been consistent against what he feels, what he feels is wrong rather than going out to pick fights. Sure. And he's been, I think, consistent in advance of becoming the mayor on a number of these topics as well. Yeah. And so these aren't things that he's using three and a half years ahead of the next election. Sure. I, I believe he really cares. He's really trying to do the right thing. And he's been doing a fantastic job. I use him as a great example of how he's focused on infrastructure in Port Coquitlam and doing the things that the council are expected to do, not just the ones that are going to be high priority, putting lines on streets, repairing potholes and taking care of the infrastructure. He is, he is on that stuff. And so I I applaud him for having the, the, the strength of, of character. And I'm jealous that he has the time available to be able to fight these bigger battles. I, uh, as I said, I I, yeah. I, I I understand and support where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah. And here it is, just to go back to that page, if you could, please, Ross, the uh, previous one there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here, one sec. Yeah, you had the page there before. Yeah. So. Right here. Yeah. So, so this one here is the list of all this. Can you resume in, Ross? Yeah. So this is the list of all the sponsors, and they kind of sponsor different things, like right. Delegate con- Continental Breakfast, et cetera. So you've got uh, here the reception sponsors. So you've got the BC government, makes sense. Uh, you have the BC professional firefighters. Basically, it's the firefighters union. Mm-hmm. They're very powerful. They, they're big, big lobbyists. Every union um, is. 100%. Well, I'm looking a little further down. Well, look at QP. the BC NDP, the fact that they will not put out a tender if the, if the service provider is not unionized. Right. It, that is an unbelievable market disruptor. Yeah. It means you're paying union fees and that's why we're seeing over over budget already on a couple of the first on the first couple of projects that were that were given out to only union tendered uh tendered yeah. Uh, companies. Yeah, and that's been that's a big that's so, been So look uh, how much influence they have and we're letting them gain access to the municipalities. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. not the same as China. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't I don't want to rant to the same levels we have people like we have Canadian citizens being imprisoned uh illegally in China. I, that's, yeah. I have a much bigger problem with that. I just say yeah. that we're giving access to people we, we are questionable as their influence and their intent as yeah. well. Well, and the thing is that I, as I put it on Twitter, I mean, really, when you look at the majority of the sponsors for this event, I broke it down into kind of primary categories and there was unions mm-hmm. and special interests. So you got mm-hmm. firefighters union, you got QP, yep. you have um, uh, the mining association, yeah. right? And then you have, uh, there's a bunch of lawyers. I didn't really document them because I don't know really I think they probably just provide services to the to the, a lot of the municipalities yeah I'm sure uh, and then you have um, you have big corps like you have big oil and gas so in here you can see there's the oil and gas uh, Association of Canada Fortis BC TC Energy which a lot of people don't remember has now been the new name for Trans Canada Pipelines right right you know what's interesting uh, in, its, yeah. in, its, in, its, in its not being there is an Uber or a Lyft <laughs> and, and you know, in, in all seriousness, yeah. they, they, they've they've got professional lobbyists that they're using well, to be able to connect well, and gain is, influence. You, yeah, you're it. I laughed, but it's true. Now, That's like, one of our biggest issues in the province. You'd think that they would be trying to access. Yeah, maybe they're smart enough to know that actually mayors don't have any influence on Uber and Lyft. It's a provincial. Well, issue. I can't. I can tell you that um, we're in Belcara, not waiting. We're putting together. We, we've already got a proposal in for a municipal transit service that we can work in partnership with TransLink oh, to be able to provide a better service than is currently there. Yeah. And it's it's not going to be far off the equivalent of a dispatch or a ride hailing like service. Yeah. It's going to be fully accredited with all the insurance necessary and the yeah. train class four drivers and all the above. But we're really supportive of ride hailing because when yeah. you're at the end of the line. Yeah and people can't use the bus to get to you, then people are taking their cars. Yeah. And so how nice would it be if we could provide a resource that, that got people out of cars and even opened us up for a better renter market? Sure, absolutely. To uh, help fill those empty yeah. shacks. Now, now we, you, you can track down who Lyft has hired for their advocacy, for their lobbying with the provincial yeah. government. Same thing for each of these different organizations. I don't know if the Chinese government is is literally paying for lobbying, but this is just another form of lobbying to get each of these different special interest groups in front of municipal. Yeah, and and they do, and there is there is hard data showing that mayors carry the most weight, and I've seen this from a translate presentation recently. Oh, yeah, mayors carry the greatest amount of weight to influence, other than peer to peer, to influence a municipality's uh, um, support when it comes to an issue. Okay. And so mayors really are number two to next to, to word of mouth from a re, from resident to resident. Yeah. So yeah. that's why they're looking at trying to get in front of municipal mayors. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Good. 
Okay. Well, Neil, this has been great. Really glad to have you here today. Ah, thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah. It's been a blast. Yeah. You've been spirit, very spirited and I like to see that. I'm, you know, almost makes me want to move to Belcara. <laughs> you, you know what? We, uh, we jokingly say like, it's not worth coming out. Don't bother. Like we, we just want, we want to be off the radar and that no yeah. one knows we exist. The reality yeah. is it is the most beautiful place on earth. I, w- yeah. I wouldn't have offered uh, and, and, and sought the role of mayor if I hadn't been, and my family hadn't been wanting to be there for the, till the end of time. Yeah. We want that to be our legacy for our kids. Yeah. And so it is the best place on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, it sounds like it's a place that if you're on a, got a long, long weekend available to you and go drive out there and check it out. Is yeah. there any particular parks that would be nice to go to? Or Elkara any? Park is one of the most beautiful in the entire region. Does uh, it go right down to the water? Right down to the water. There's a beautiful dock where people are often crabbing and fishing off of all the time. And really? there's a ton of hiking trails around White Pine Beach and Sasmat Lake. Yeah. And on our neighboring municipality, Amor has got Bunsen Lake as well. They, they fill up early. Wow. And they get closed down. So if you're going to come out to visit on a nice day, you want to be out there probably by 9 a.m. in order to make sure you can actually get into those areas. Yeah. But that's because they are so special. Yeah. And it's only a 40-minute drive. 40, 45 in traffic, yeah. rush hour, it's yeah. going to be worse for sure. Yeah. But 40, 45. But Saturday right? morning, Sunday morning, summertime. Yeah. 40, 45. Can I'm you believe sold. it? Yeah. No bridges, no tunnels. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> we're, very, we're very lucky to be where we are. Yeah. Thanks again, Neil. It's been great, man. Thank you Thanks so much. So much. Uh, yeah, thank really, you for having me. Really it's a pleasure. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.